Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Chicago, what do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast. It is the Thursday before Cubs convention, and we are all just living in Jed Hoyer's world. Luke Stuckmeyer, Cody Del Mendo, Ryan Herrera. The once silent Chicago Cubs are now wheeling and dealing out, making moves. We'll talk about the Imanaga contract here in a second, and the details of that are finally out, and they are very interesting, but also... Can we read between the lines a little bit on that contract? Uh, Hello to everybody in the live chat. Yes, we are going to talk about the deal. Also now official, confirmed by our Ryan Herrera. Cubs have traded one of their top prospects. And it appears they now have their third baseman potentially for this season. Uh, Just a a reaction to the last 24 hours, Cody. Like, (laughs) are are you surprised he finally has started to, to heat this up a little bit? Well, I don't think it has anything to do with the timing of the convention, by the way. No, no, I I don't (laughs) think so either. All I can say is that we're starting to see how this team is going to shape up come opening day. Obviously, still more more news to be made. But, I mean, this contract for Shota Imanaga is mind-blowing in some ways. It could... it's such a team-friendly deal that could turn into a really good deal for him if he performs well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I think it in the short term, it's great for the Cubs and even long term, depending on how he transitions to uh, Major League Baseball. So I, I, I love I love the contract for Imanaga. Uh, this trade that was made today, I'm I mean, it was a roller coaster because at first it was Almonte that was that was getting thrown out there that he was being traded. And I look him up on fan graphs. And of course, as the, uh, you know, classic Dell metrics view in my head, I'm like, what's the uh, ERA? Oh, it's 5.06. What is Jed doing? What, what are we sending the Dodgers for a guy who had a five ERA yeah. last year? Um, and then I thought I, Mervis was going to be the guy. <laughs> and, and so that I, at first I really thought it was just for a reliever. And yeah. then to hear that there was a bigger piece coming back and then to see that it was Michael Bush, the third base prospect or third and second base prospect for the Dodgers, number two via MLB pipeline, uh, coming back and no, and then finding out that the Cubs are only sending two minor leaguers, I got really excited because this is this is what we've talked about, right? The reason that I really love this trade is that the Cubs have like they have depth on the farm. They have all kinds of depth on the farm. And the fact that the two guys that they sent for this guy, 
They're not going to be in the major leagues until 2026 at the earliest, I would say. Maybe 2025 if they really take off in the Dodgers system. But either way, as long as the Cubs continue to develop like they have been over the last two, three years, they're going to find another Jackson Ferris or a Zaire Hope. They're, they're, they will, as long as they continue to develop the way that they have, the, to draft the way that they have, they're going to find two other guys like this. This is, this, is how, this is how a good organization starts to shape up the way that we want the Cubs to go, right? Mm-hmm. Again, yes, they, I would like them to be at the top tier market in free agency. But when it comes to making trades like this, to get a guy who's in the top 50 uh, of MLB prospects to play a position that you definitely needed top two in Dodger system to play a position that you absolutely needed to fill a hole of that you've had a hole in since Chris Bryant was traded in 2021. The fact that you get a young positional player to take over that spot is great. And he's going to have years of control. And hopefully, obviously there's a risk in every free agent signing or trade. Hopefully he excels. I saw Jeff Passan tweet that he projects to be something like a Max Muncy. I mean, this team has needed left-handed power, man, and it kind of gives Cubs a little leverage now when it comes to the Bellinger sweepstakes. I, I don't think I still think he's probably going to be a Cub, but yeah, to to fill that need and with a guy that has all kinds of control is great. It's a it's a great move in my opinion, and at the end of the day, whether Jackson Ferris or Zaire Hope turn out to be good for the Dodgers, which Honestly, I'll just go ahead and say it. I, I think Ferris will at least be good for the Dodgers because he was a top 10 prospect for the Cubs in the system. And I know a lot of us in the chat and I was high on him, but the fact that you, he's probably not going to be in the majors for at least another two, three years, that hopefully by then the Cubs have already found another guy that have already drafted another guy that has the same type of upside. That That's the way that I look at it. Everyone wants to go back and look at all the trades the Cubs have lost. Well, the Cubs development-wise have significantly improved since those days. So I, I personally am happy about the deal. I'm excited about it, and I'm excited to see what Michael Bush does for the Chicago Cubs come opening day. I, I did see that we have breaking news in the, in the live YouTube chat. Our guy Gary Ross has now given up on slaughter at third base. <laughs> there it is. What there was your is. favorite part of the slaughter? Uh, Welcome to the live YouTube chat, by the way. Make sure you subscribe to the CHGO Sports YouTube page. We appreciate it. Give us all the thumbs up, the uh, happy smiles and all those other things. Uh, the happy smiles. Yeah. 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 Smiles, thumbs up, whatever. The likes. Uh, yeah. the, the like button. Barb- happy likes. Barbara Please subscribe if you're new. Barbara already hates the deal. Initial reaction. We'll talk more about it. We are hoping to have Greg Huss uh, from Northside Bound come talk about the prospects and all that a little bit coming up later in the show. So we're going to circle back to it and talk Imanaga in a second. But initial reaction, Ryan? Yeah, I think, well, I think you look at it as a deal, a deal that feels right for both sides. Yeah. The Dodgers, I mean, again, didn't. None of us knew anything about Michael Bush before today, right? Obviously, we're not following Dodgers prospects, but um, having looked into it a little bit in the last hour plus since the the deal got uh, got went through, he was you know he's he's been blocked. He has he's he's a top fifty prospect, as you said, Cody, um, but he's been blocked by various Dodgers at the major league level. Um, Got some run last year, but uh, you know didn't have immediate success, and it wasn't like a long uh, extended opportunity, but. 
he's a top 50 prospect for a reason. I, I'm seeing my Max Muncy comps. I'm seeing um, the potential for middle of the order bat with a lot of slug, which especially on the left side, like we've talked about, that's what the Cubs need. Um, as far as defensive positioning goes, I, I keep like, I know he's, they're trying to mold the Dodgers had been trying to mold him into like a third baseman. Uh, he had a lot of time there last year in the minor leagues and most of his games played in the majors were there. I am like looking at scouting reports. I am seeing that his long-term potential still may be best at first base. So that may throw a wrench in some things, but, um, corner infield prospect, uh, who's, who's already debuted at the major league level is major league ready. Should definitely be in the running for an opening day roster in the starting lineup. Um, yeah, it, it's a good trade. And then obviously, um, you know, Amante is one of those veteran relievers that the Cubs are going to try to bring in, do some work with, and see what they can get out of him. Um, had, was it 2022? Was really, really good um, out of the Dodgers bullpen. So uh, that's another, you know, it may be like a little bit of a flyer, like what what, what can we get out of this guy? But um, we've seen the Cubs, for the most part, the last few years have that kind of success. And then on the other side, you know, Zaire Hope, uh, was drafted in the 11th round last year. He's years away. And Jackson Ferris is years away Where um, from uh, – and he, he has real impact potential. There's a reason the Cubs did the whole um, go under slot with Kate Horde so they can go over slot with Jackson Ferris and get him to sign out of high school. There's a reason they did that when they scouted him, thought he had that kind of potential. But, you know, years away, and as Cody said, you hope – the Cubs hope – that by the time Jackson Ferris is to debut in Major League Baseball, they've already mm-hmm. they've already drafted the next Jackson Ferris, or they've signed or traded for a Major League guy who's going to take up that rotation spot it, anyway. Go ahead. I, that that's that's what they need to have belief in in this pitching infrastructure and what they've done. Yeah, again, Jackson Ferris. Everything we've heard from from scouts or, or our prospect nerd friends that love Jackson Ferris very high on him and for for good reason. But um, you know the the Cubs are in a position where they needed impact talent now, uh, especially major league ready impact talent. Michael Bush could be that, right? We we have to see how he does with an extended run at the major league level, but he could be that. Um, and you know Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope just were not ready to impact the major league roster this year, potentially not next year. You know so. I say this is a good trade for both sides because the 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 Cubs get players who can impact their major league team right now, and the Dodgers are getting prospects aren't on their forty man roster now, and you know they can wait on those guys. They have the major league talent where they can wait on those guys. The Cubs are in a position where if you can get controllable major league talent that's ready to yeah, controllable made controllable talent that's ready to impact you at the major league level now, it's the move to make and. And when you compare just the both sides of the deal, I think um, on, on paper right now it looks good for both sides. And, you know, obviously we'll see where it ends up, right? Where in the end, a few years from now, we'll, we'll talk about it. But um, it looks like a good deal for both sides. Even it, if it doesn't go well, right? Mm-hmm. Even if those two guys end up being great stars for the Dodgers, it still makes sense now. Yeah. You need a first baseman and a third baseman. Two glaring holes we've talked about on yeah, this roster. Sure. You now have a top 50 prospect that can fill one of those holes, potentially, right? Yes. And I don't remember who who said it, but someone in the chat said that he's a prospect because he was being blocked. Right. Like, he probably would have made his debut earlier uh, if he wasn't being blocked by the Dodgers. And I I saw a video. he played. He he was batting one. He, like, 
Yeah, he played 12 20, hits, batted 167 yeah, last he year. Just he played a brief 27 appearance. games. Yeah. He, played, he played 27 games with Dodgers last year. But in AAA, I mean, the numbers are pretty impressive. I mean, 150 weighted, weighted runs created plus, 323 batting average, on base of 431, yeah. slug 618 in 98 games, 27 homers, 79 RBIs, walk, walk rate uh, 9.9%. Um, or no, walk rate thirteen point nine percent and strike strikeout rate was eighteen point eight percent. He dominated Triple A. Yeah, I would I expect him to be on the major league roster yeah. come opening day at Pacific yeah. Coast League. And and you look <laughs> at it too, and, and that the, he played two hundred games at the Triple A level, had almost a thousand plate appearances at the Triple A level. He was blocked like yeah. he he just did not. The Dodgers did not have the opportunities for him um, to get everyday playing time at the major league level and see if he can thrive. The Cubs do, as you mentioned, first and third base, which are potentially the two positions he could man. They have openings there right now. This is a guy that could fit into those two slots. So, um, no, again, it's it's a good trade, a a good prospect um, that a lot of people are high on, especially offensively. And, you know, you see what you could do with him on, uh, on the Chicago Cubs because the Dodgers couldn't. Couldn't give him that opportunity. Cubs yes. can. I, I look at it, and I think it's the right move for the Cubs to make. Like, yes, giving up someone like Jackson Ferris hurts if you if you were high on him, and, and a, lot, a lot of people are. But um, it's the kind of move you have to make if you're trying to win. You want to talk about your ball being, club. Uh, sorry, about being blocked. It's like Gliber Torres was here. They have a surplus of something. They're trying to win now, and he wasn't, he wasn't finding a way to really break into their lineup so that they moved on and traded him and, and they think they've got back younger prospects that can be and, high reward. And, and again, I really want to push down on this for the people who hate this trade in the chat. Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope are not going to play in the major leagues for at least, at least another two seasons. I, I, I don't, like, I feel like I don't, I don't think that there's a I don't think one team or the other won this trade. You can't say that yet, but you're getting a guy who is in the top 50 of the top 100 prospects who was blocked, who's played great at the levels that he's been on except for the 27 games he's played at the major league level. You're getting a guy who's young, controllable, has shown success throughout his journey through the minor leagues and was a first-round pick, mind you. For two guys who, yes, they have high upside, but they're not going to play for the Dodgers for at least another two years. So I think that there's incredible value on both sides. Of course, yeah, in in two, three years, if Jackson Ferris develops into what I think he will, which will be probably pretty good, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it works out. But hopefully by then the Cubs are definitely contending every year, year in and year out, and have already developed their own guys that or you're not even sitting here wondering what if we had Jackson Ferris. That's the way that I look at it, and that's honestly how most people, in my opinion, should look at it if the Cubs continue to develop players the way they have. We can't sit here and just bank on every single one of these prospects to, to, to contribute to this team. They have they have a boatload of guys. They they had to move some dudes to, to, to fill out this roster and get their way to playoff contention. That's just a fact of the matter. So the way that they've been developing and the way they've been drafting these last handful of years, I have no doubt they're going to find another pitcher that we all get excited about, get high on, 
I, that's that's or they the just way sign one. Like, yeah, or sign. Like one. They got the financial flexibility. They have again if they can if they go into things with you know flexing their big market muscles, right? Like they have the resources, they have the financial flexibility. They could always just go and sign someone when they become available, and that's the guy that slots in the top near the top of your rotation if that's the level that Jackson Ferris were ever to get to. Sure, which is still an if. He's young. He's never pitched at a major league level. He's young. You could always go get a proven major league guy that you can slot into the top of your rotation. That's what the Cubs have the ability to do with everything they've done the oh, last yeah. couple of years. So and that's that's so like the, the but I agree with you in the draft wise. But it's like even if you aren't able to draft the next Jackson Ferris, mm-hmm. you have the resources to go sign someone that fits that spot anyway. Yeah, credit so. to the uh, live YouTube chat here at CHGO, our crew, for coming up with the fact that the Dodgers now have Ferris and Bueller. Ah. Excellent point. Uh, Excellent point. We do have a super chat, point. right? Yeah. Uh, super chat from Michael Wagner. Five bucks. Feels like he could be this year's Nolan Jones. He was blocked in Cleveland and broke out after a trade to Colorado. He killed us whenever the Cubs went to Colorado in September. Yeah. You know what else? I, I People are asking, how does this impact Morrell? And if if Greg Huskin come on, we can ask him a lot of that stuff. I. I, I, I think this, when people say, how does it impact Morrell? How does it impact Shaw? Because people were thinking Shaw might be the guy this year. Yeah. That's okay. It gives him time to develop. It doesn't rush him. No rush. Mm-hmm. And I've said it a million times. The best thing you can have is too many good guys at one position because then whether it's Shaw or the player they just acquired or another player that they still might acquire, then you move them. In a, somebody gets moved in a year and you get the value back. You get your sure. you get your Ferris coming back the other way. It's yeah, just true. it's a game of moving chips around. Right now, today, this helps the Cubs fill a position that they hadn't really filled yet this offseason. Whether it's third or first, I don't care. This guy's going to get a realistic yeah. shot at the at one of those positions. Yeah, having having too many good players is a good problem to have. That's right, and and drafting well and developing well will let you continue to do that. I think people who might be down on this trade, I think maybe another trade that could be coming, perhaps for a pitcher, might sway them a little bit differently on this move because it was just we just don't know what's coming up next. But oh, they they definitely needed the left-handed bat. And there's a ton of potential here. I mean, I understand that he hasn't proved anything at the major league level yet. So, yes, there's risk. But there's also risk in, you know, giving a ton of money to a guy and then him not panning out, you know. So, I I think that this move was a smart, fair move. It's not – I don't I, – I think when we look back on this trade in three or four years, I think we'll, we will all think that both teams won this trade. I, I don't think that – it will go one way or another, personally. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Imanaga deal because the, the contract deals came out. And why I started the show by saying we're all just living in Jed's world, it does seem like he really got a great like, – we make fun of him for wanting the best deal all the time and kind of missing out on the big guys. It does seem like he got a real – team-friendly deal. Now, we don't know what Imanaga, we've seen all the projections for what he could be and how they're going to rework this and and the, they'll he'll adjust and he'll throw less home runs in Major League Baseball. They're going to fix this and he's going to be a strikeout guy. All of it. But it looks like they have a rotation guy and they have a, you know, at one point people were talking about $100 million for him. Now you're looking at potentially a deal could be as short as two years. Or it could be four years. 
and and it's up to the player to prove that he's worth it. But even if he proves that he's worth it, it still seems like it's a reasonable deal, right? Like the Cubs have a chance to walk away from it if it doesn't look yeah. like that translates. Yeah. So the risk is very low on the Cubs' part. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I think he's, he's given himself a lot of flexibility to still do other things, including Cody Bellinger. I don't think the trade today means Cody Bellinger's not – Back with the Cubs, I think it gives them a little leverage to say, oh, we do have a guy who could play first base. We could play Mervis. We could play Wisdom there. We could play yada, yada, yada over yeah. at first base, right? Right. Yeah. And and then he still can play center field. I, I just think there's so many options. I think this signing, though, Imanaga, is kind of under the radar because of the value they got for it. Well, yeah, I mean... And I, you know, we talk, again, we're talking about f- financial flexibility. It's, it, it's a deal that you know. It's a very weird, like complex deal, right? Because it's two years, pretty much guaranteed, and then after the second, after the third, the Cubs have the option to was it, they have the option to extend it to five years, um, and if they decline to extend it, then he has the option to uh, was it. I think he has the option to uh, opt out then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a very weird, complex deal. Allows him flexibility, allows the Cubs flexibility. Um, but also, at, at this point, it keeps the AA value low. Obviously, if um, the deal gets extended out or based on the years, the, the AAV will change. But um, it keeps the AAV low. They're not paying him nine figures, which was like some of the rumors we were hearing uh, like last week, the week before, that it was getting up to nine figures, which surprised all of us considering what we kind of – heard going into the offseason about Imanaga um but yeah it's like you're not paying you're not paying Yamamoto money and you're not expecting to get Yamamoto I I think what we've said and or what we've heard and kind of the consensus is that like if he could he could be a really solid three for what you're getting Uh, and for the price that the Cubs get him at that's a that's a value deal and I think that's something else we've seen like a lot of the people national guys that are reacting to it is like this could be the best value deal of the offseason like it could be one of our favorite signs just based on the value that they get for right. it um so I, yeah I like the terms of the contract it allows the Cubs flexibility allows Imanaga flexibility and and should it all work out a lot it could allow them to have a five-year partnership you know so um yeah and to, to your point the the again with the financial flexibility it keeps your payroll low right now so you still have plenty of room to go out and get a Cody Bellinger or if you so choose to go get Reese Hoskins or whatever it is if you if you still want to go get Jordan Montgomery even right like you have the room and the flexibility to still go make moves this offseason and then you know off seasons to come right this deal is not hurting your flexibility at all. And to be honest, that feels like a under-market deal for, yes, he's an unproven pitcher at the major league level, right? But everything we've heard, scouting reports, and and they have, the scouting reports now are a lot better on guys coming from whether it's Japan or Korea or wherever, right? Scouting reports and, and kind of being able to project how those guys will translate to major league baseball, a lot better than they used to be. And everything we've heard is that, He's he's going to be he's going to be at, at least a number three pitcher, and for what the Cubs are paying and what they could get out of him, remains to be seen. But it feels like he he could really outperform the value of this deal. Yeah, no, I, like I was especially kind of, when we talk about how much how much the the cost of pitching mm-hmm. rises every year. Right. So, kind of like I was saying earlier, it doesn't 
it doesn't hold the Cubs back from going out and adding to the rotation in 2025. Because at this point, I'm not ride or die, or I'm not all in on Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell. Corbin Burns is going to be available next offseason if, if he goes to free agency. That, there's a lot, the free agent class is a lot better in 2025. And, and the only reason I say this at this point is that I, st- I still have not forgot the article that Sharma put out from The Athletic about how the Cubs are not going all in this offseason. They are, I believe, going to do enough to make this team a division winner. And then I think after this coming season, perhaps they might go all in if things work out the way that they hope with prospects, with more growth from major league players that are young. I think next offseason could be the offseason that they really do play at the top of the market and you can go get a number one starting pitcher or go get the biggest bat on the market. I'm not going to talk myself into Juan Soto, but whatever. I think that they will play at the top of the market next offseason if things play out the way they hope they do with some of these young guys and guys are already on the, that are already on the major league roster that continue to grow. So with this deal, to bring it back around, the fact that they could opt out after two years, he's not... Imanaga is not going to be blocking any one particular player, whether it's a free agent or even a guy on the farm. He's not going to he's not going to block, you know, whoever the next guy after Kate Horton is. You know what I mean? So that's why I love the deal. And of course, if he pitches way better than what we expect, then sure, you can extend it to the five years to where he makes 80 million over that time then, too. So. There's no, there's nothing about this deal that anyone should be upset about or complain about. Like it's, it's a very, very good deal for both sides. Like Imanaga is going to come to the Cubs with the motivation to pitch as well as he possibly can to make more money, and the Cubs are going in pretty much risk free with this. So th- there's a lot to like with this. Even four years, fifty three, yeah, is very affordable. But I think if you also zoom out and look at what they've had since the end of the season, you've essentially replaced Marcus Stroman in the rotation. Now, I don't know if it's going to be apples to apples. It may not be, but Stroman wasn't uh, a consistent pitcher last year anyway, partially because of injuries. But you've replaced Stroman's spot in the rotation and still have like $8 million more to spend on something else. Right. So his I still say his opting out was a huge favor to the Cubs. Stroman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially now that you were able to get a two year deal for Imanaga that you could you could back out quickly out of that, too, if you wanted to as well. Not necessarily. It's given them great flexibility. Not necessarily, because if the I get the feeling that if the Cubs were going to were to want to back out of the contract, like, well, you, you don't want that to be the case. What you'd like to have is him actually pitch for the for the 80. Yeah, you'd like him to be so good that the Cubs five, just pick it up and, and say, "Hey, yeah. we're doing five and eighty. That's this right. guy's been more than worth it." Yeah, right. five. That's five the for goal because what it's four, four for fifty-three guaranteed, um, and then obviously like the opt-out things have potential. But, well, because it's if they don't extend it to the five years after that second and third years, right. then he gets the ability to, to opt right. out. So, um, but I, I mean, by that point, I think we'll have a a solid idea of what he is at the big leagues and and where the value in this deal is. You know? Yeah, you hope after two years the Cubs are like, ooh, yeah, yeah let's take the rest it, right? of this. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, yeah, again, it's, it's, a, it's a good deal, I think, for both sides um, as far as flexibility goes and not, not a, a move that 
will break the break the Cubs bank now or for future seasons. It's it's a it's a move that adds someone that a lot of people believe will be an impact arm for the rotation. Not top of the not top of the rotation guy, but uh, definitely an impact arm. And uh, you know it leaves a lot of room for, for financial flexibility. Which knowing this front office and how they operate, having that financial flexibility is huge. Uh, we will get to your super chats coming up in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about Midtown Athletic Club. Four Chicagoland locations, Palatine in the Northwest Burbs, Bannockburn on the North Shore, Willowbrook Southwest Suburbs, and Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel right here, downtown in Bucktown and Lincoln Park. The Palatine location just had a multi-million dollar transformation to the club. It's finishing up here in 20, early 2024. They are offering, Midtown is, no initiation fees right now during January. Got a couple uh, weeks left here at Bannockburn, Palatine and Willowbrook. Those locations, no initiation fee in January. It's great for single people, families. Uh, if you're looking for lifestyle changes, it's the nicest fitness club I've ever been in. And uh, it's it's something else. Yoga, boxing, cycling, uh, incredible locker rooms, best tennis courts and programming in the sport. USTA certified pickleball, paddleball, you name it, they've got it. Head over to midtown.com slash CHGO to find out more and to tour the Midtown Athletic Club nearest you. Yeah, and while you're there, you know, sometimes when I go to Midtown Athletic Club and I get on the old treadmill or the, the elliptical or whatever, Credit to you. I, I'm 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 also on my phone looking at the sports book because I can multitask, all right? So yes, Luke, credit to me. And when I'm doing that, I'm on Circus Sportsbook. Listen, tonight, Illinois, four and a half point favorite against Michigan State. They're thirty-two and eight. Thirty-two and eight against Big Ten opponents at home the last four years. Give me the Illini to cover the spread in Champaign tonight. And you can, again, you can make that bet on Circus Sports, but you can go to Waukegan and place the bet, all right? Uh, and But some of the reasons that I like Circa, outside of the fact that I can go and place that bet on Illinois tonight, is uh, their tight money line splits. Games will strive to be a minus 110 split on the Circus Sports menu, unlike other sports books, which may use minus 115 or minus 120, Circus Sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets, especially compared to other books. Circus Sports does not limit players based on their winnings either. Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who do limit winning players. They encourage bettors to download and explore all sports betting apps available to compare the lines from each book. So uh, that's I always like to emphasize that because there have, I've had the experience with other books where they have taken away boosts or how much money I can put down certain things with boosts circa does not do that that's one thing that makes them one of the best so uh, and finally their customer service is my favorite part because they don't use chatbots and I wish chatbots would leave the world in 2024 but they're still here unfortunately all aspects of the app are being run by the same people that runs the main circa sports or circa sports book at circa resort and Casino in Las Vegas, the second greatest place on earth, outs, uh, right below Wrigley Field. All right, so download the Circus Sports Illinois app at circusports.com slash Illinois-app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. If you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, text GAMB to 833-234, or visit areyoureallywinning.com. Godmother Barb is on record as hating this deal. She She does not like this deal. She doesn't like trading prospects, even if it includes other prospects that are higher rated. 
trading good young players for more good I, young players. Let's just make sure she's on the record. She is on the record. Three years from now is saying yeah. this is a bum yeah. deal. Bum of the week, she's saying, Jed Hoyer. I, I, <laughs> I got to say that I think she's more mad about this trade than the Kimbrel trade. <laughs> and not saying something because she's she mad. comes in this chat every day and complains about the Kimbrel trade. <laughs> Which I still don't understand because that, that, I mean, that trade's pretty much a wash at this point. But currently, uh, the highest rated prospect is coming to the Cubs. Yes, currently. Yes, currently. I, got, I have a new, uh, like, what was your favorite part of blank arrow? Oh, uh-huh. yes. Uh, deals official, uh, the Dodgers and Cubs trade. To make room on the 40-man roster, the Cubs designate catcher Brian Servin for assignment. Ah. No! <laughs> what was your favorite part of the Brian Servin era? That breakdown video i made of him (laughs) oh my heart is broken my heart is broken anyway all right we got a couple super chats here our guy fernando buck 99 it's a win for both teams shorter wait for the cubs i do love that part yeah nobody wants to wait any longer yeah nobody wants to wait any longer and then uh mitch says for a ten dollar super chat on haps podcast Dakota said he heard that uh, Belly will announce him signing at their live <laughs> podcast at CubsCon. He's obviously joking, trying to stir the pot, but I'm taking it and running with it. I Don't mean, let me talk myself into it, bro. Don't let the facts like get said, in the way of a good story. Go. Hap's there been listening go. to us. Like I Absolutely. said, Bellinger would get a, a Stone Cold level pop if, oh, if yeah. that happens. Absolutely. Is our friend uh, Greg Huss here? S- sounded like It sounded like he was uh, dialing in. Yeah, yeah. he is... Almost here. He's not wearing a hat. This is different. Here he is. He's ready to he's get ready to go. No hat, Greg. No hat, Greg. Can you hear, right? can you hear us? Yeah, yeah, I, you we can us. hear you, brother. Oh, I can't hear you guys. Sorry. Oh, oh. come on. He's Sarah. working on it. Sarah's can working you hear on it us? again. Cubs have traded Jackson Ferris, one of their mm-hmm. better prospects for sure. No question about it. Uh, but they've also gotten back a guy who's a top fifty prospect, the number two prospect. Uh, ranked by some in the Dodgers organization. Uh, Greg Huss, can you hear us now? We got, I got you. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we perfect. There we go. Uh, co-founder of NorthsideBound, Greg Huss. Oh, we always know him as one of these super prospect guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, prospect following nerds, the Cubs. as we refer to them. Yeah, No, I, you've, I, uh, you've said that. I didn't say that. I have nerd. taken his note about how Cade Horton is going to make six or seven starts in the ma- in minors next season <laughs> and go straight to the Cubs sometime midseason. I've taken that quote that he said on this show and ran with it. I have talked myself fully into it, and I can't wait. All, all credit to Greg Huss. You get to yell at me when it doesn't happen, right? Yes. I will <laughs> yell at you when it doesn't happen, but I'm, I love this, is, this has been my offseason, Greg. This is what I've been holding uh, all hopes and dreams on. All right, Greg, we want to know, A, just your initial reaction. When you, when you, see, the, when you see the names and it, it's, it becomes a four-player deal, your thumbs up or your thumbs down? And then, and then I want to talk about the guys first that are going from the Cubs to the Dodgers. So what did you give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down when you first? Yeah. So my. Oh, no, nope, we lost. My we initial lost. reaction was oh, probably go. thumbs down, but I think I want to be. Oh, are we good? Yeah, we're right. good now. We're good. <laughs> I think, I think my initial reaction was probably a thumb was originally a thumbs down, but I will say that that. I think it's a higher likelihood that the Cubs wind up on top with this trade. I mean, they got a guy in Michael Bush who is ready for the major league level. 
Uh, they traded away two guys that in Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope that are still years down the road, years away from even potentially making the major league. So I, I think overall, my my initial reaction is thumbs up, even though it pains me to trade those two guys away. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's I think it's definitely a way to look at it is that, you know, you're you're pushing the you're pushing the chips in a little bit more for the future. Not, not, not the way they would have if they had Shohei Otani, but it's a way of saying, no, we do want to win now. It's, it's, you, can't, you have to eventually use some of these players in other ways. What do you think it means for Shaw? What do you think it means for Morrell? What do you think it means for guys like Madrigal and Master Boney? Yeah, I think as far as Shaw, well, I think Morrell, I, I don't think the Cubs know what they're doing with Morrell. So even even <laughs> after the trade, I think they still stand on the same same status on Morrell as they did earlier. With Shaw, it gets interesting too, because I think that with Matt Shaw, now you don't necessarily need to rush him to the big league level. I think that, that there are a lot of people really excited to see Matt Shaw in 2024 in Chicago, manning third base, and there this year and into the future. Now it's like, all right, if, if Michael Bush is your starting starting third baseman this year and moving forward, now Matt Shaw, take your time in developing him. You, you don't need to rush him up Nico Horner style to the big league level, Zach Neto style. Like you can, he can spend the year in 2024 in the minor leagues, and then we're looking at 2025. And if, if he hits his way to Chicago in 24, then that's that's awesome. Then you find a, a place for Matt Shaw, and that's fine. You worry about that later. It's just it, it kind of slows the process and makes it more deliberate instead of like, oh, we got to get Matt Shaw to Chicago. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know how much you've been able to, to do the research on Michael Bush in the last hour and a half, two hours or so. Um, but I, I was telling these guys, like, I was looking at some scouting reports. Um, it there are, there are scouting reports out there that, like, obviously the, the Dodgers were trying to mold him into this third base type. Um, but that his long-term future may be at first base. I mean, if that's the case, what, how does that change things for any other prospect? Or and it should, should for this for someone like Michael Bush, should the Cubs just let him run at whatever position suits him best, or are or are there concerns if, if he can't play third base? I mean, I think you got the bright the bright side of this is that the Cubs have first base and third base pretty much unoccupied. I mean, like, they haven't filled, but, yeah. like, pretty much unoccupied. So, like, whichever one works, I think, is ultimately what you go for. I think that this trade also speaks volumes as how the Cubs think about Matt Mervis. Um, I think that this this probably, whatever kind of hope we were holding on to Matt Mervis being the first baseman in Chicago long-term or short-term, I think that, like, that that probably doesn't look as good. Because I think if, if you can bring Michael Bush and he's your third baseman this year, potentially, um, and then push him over to first base when Matt Shaw is ready next year or later this year, whenever that might be, then there you go. you got two positions covered. So um, I think long-term, it speaks more towards Matt Mervis and what the Cubs think about him. Yeah. So what did you like about Ferris? I mean, uh, Barb, the godmother here in, in the uh, podcast, she's very upset. She says he's going to be better than Kershaw. What made him such <laughs> a – What made him such a great Cubs prospect? Why was he so popular – uh, among all the scouts. Yes, I had Jackson Ferris ranked eighth in the in the Cubs organization as of right now. Um, and I think with with both of these guys, with, with Hope and with Jackson Ferris, I think what makes you react in a negative way, like losing these guys, is because in my opinion, you're trading these two players 
before they've kind of reached that peak value as a prospect um, in terms of what, how you can trade them away. Um, we talked about on the, the Cubs on Deck podcast earlier this offseason about like guys that that could you could potentially potentially be trading too early in their careers. And I think that with Jackson Ferris, especially like that's a guy that could ultimately be a top 50 prospect in all of baseball. And uh, I mean, I know Michael, we got a guy in Michael Bush that is a, a top 50 prospect in all of baseball. But I think that Jackson Ferris is now right now outside of top 100s. I think ultimately you might see him and, and with the Dodgers, uh, a top 50 guy in all of baseball. So it's more of you're trading him before he reaches that full value. Maybe you can get a better player down the road than a Michael Bush in return for Jackson Ferris. The um, the fastball is good. The uh, the curveball and sliders have really good movement on them. A lot of spin. Like This is a, a high spin rate guy in Jackson Ferris. And so I know that's a route the Cubs have loved to go recently. Uh, with those high spin rate guys and Jackson Ferris is definitely that guy. But the further away they are, the harder it is to predict what the path will be. All you have to do is look at Brennan Davis. So it's about trading a guy at the right time. Now you can't predict injuries and stuff like that, but he is a young pitcher and you don't know what's going to happen, even health, let alone progressing as a player, but health wise can come into it too. So there there's risk in holding on to a guy too, before a potential flaw or problem might come up as well. Our, let's see, Shane Newbanks in the uh, in the chat, one of our regulars says he'd like to trade Morel, Alcantara, Ballesteros, and Mervis for Luzardo. Who's in on that oh. deal? That's a lot, but I mean, he's young. Well, let's uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead. What do, you, what do you think? Greg? What do you think, Greg? There's a lot of prospects I mean, in there. Yeah, Morel is the equivalent of a top 50 prospect in all of baseball in terms of like trade value, right? Um, I think that Morel and Kevin Alcantara have similar-ish trade value. Um, Ballesteros is Ballesteros might be the trickiest player in in the Cubs. It probably is the trickiest player in the Cubs organization to assign a value in terms of trades because it's like it's entirely dependent on is Ballesteros a catcher or not. Like if if you're trading with a team that views Ballesteros as like they can make him a catcher at the major league level, then that's a that's no joke like a top 25, top 50 prospect in all of baseball. The more likely scenario is that he is a DH and then at that point he's like not even close to a top 100 prospect. So uh there's a big difference between being able to catch at major league average value and being assigned to DH. And so like, I don't know, it, you just got to be trading with the right team. If you're, if you're trading by away, because if a team values him as a DH, then you're not getting that value back in a trade. Are you guys more scared because they're trading with the Dodgers? The, the Dodgers, the Dodgers don't seem to make a ton of mistakes. I was saying off air, I was telling our sales guy, Chris, that like the biggest mistake I feel like the Dodgers have made via trade was trading Jordan Alvarez for Josh Fields. But yeah, it's a bad one. Yeah. But I mean, they've made bold trades too. But the thing is, is they have, they, they are the Dodgers. They have a bunch of star players on their team and, and they're competitive year in and year out. They go, they win their division every single year. No one talks about some of the mistakes that they made because they win every year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm sure there's more than just Alvarez for Josh Fields on Andrew Friedman's list of mistakes, but we ain't sitting here talking about it. We sit here and talk about the Quintana trade all the time just because the Cubs haven't won. You know what I mean? Um, Greg, I I know you tweeted out on your own ranking. Like, obviously, you had um, Jackson Ferris at 8. You also had Zaire Hope at 13, I believe. Um, So where would you set the over-under for – 
number of top 15 guys who could be out of the organization, whether, you know, maybe in the next, maybe in the next year, you know, whether that's right now before spring training or during spring training, or even during the season trade deadline stuff, where would you set the over under? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say I'd set the over under before this upcoming trade deadline at like two and a half of the, of the top 15 prospects in the organization at this, like starting now, I, yeah. they obviously just traded away hope and, and Ferris, but um, I mean, I know that there's been a lot of speculation surrounding um, Alexander Canario being in a trade trade deal. Um, James Triantos kind of fitting that mold of a guy that might get traded away. So I think that like there is, there's your two. Um, do you think that more than that will go away in a trade? So I think two and a half is probably like a, Okay. A safe uh, over under in terms of top 15 prospects going away. Jack in the uh, live YouTube chat saying, Hey, it's official. The Cubs now have with this deal, because we haven't played games yet, seven top 100 prospects. So listen, you are, you are losing a guy that obviously was highly thought of and has high upside in the organization, but he's a pitcher and he's a prospect. And I'd rather, I'd rather increase that number of top 100 guys for, mm-hmm. To, to the number seven, then I would hold on to that. That's why I, it could end up being a bad deal, and I don't know enough about the, the individual players, but I like the fact that the window is moving up with those prospects. I'd rather have the top 100 prospects now than worry about who the top 100 prospects are in another year because they can draft those guys and develop those guys out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I think that Cody kind of nailed it, right, where it's like the this trade, we're going to be angry we would be angry about this trade because on on the if, if Michael Bush ends up not being any good, we'd be more angry that he's not good before we'll be angry that Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope are very good. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that makes it easier to stomach, you know what I mean? Versus like the Quintana trade back in the day. The Cubs weren't, they didn't win anything because of that. But also like Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, they came up, came up pretty fast. Like I think it was within uh, what a couple of years that Cease and Quintana were, were up in up with the White Sox. And so like, or Cease and, and, and uh, Jimenez, my, my fault, were up with the White Sox versus this, Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope, like they won't be up even if they do make the major leagues and they do kill it at the major league level. Like that's not until, man, like like 20, early 2027 at the earliest, I'd say. Like late 2026 is if you're going wild. Um, and so like, I, I think we're more angry about Michael Bush not succeeding before we're angry about Ferris and Hope being good, if that makes and, sense. And if Bush isn't the guy that they think they traded for, then Shaw's the next guy in the pipeline. You yeah. you have a backup plan for that being a failure anyways. Right. No matter how that works out. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. And, and Greg, obviously like you follow the the farm system very closely, done it for a few, few years. I mean – as far as depth goes, especially, you know, I think one of the things we look at is like a lot of shortstop depth, right? Because those guys can move pretty much anywhere on the field or a lot of outfielder depth because they can move all three positions. Uh, as far as depth goes on the position player side um, on the Cubs and, and their farm system, um, where, I mean, what, what level are they at right now where, again, if a guy like Michael Bush doesn't work out, they're, they're not sweating it, right? Like they, they have the kind of depth where guys cannot work out as prospects always do some tend to not work out, uh, but that the Cubs can, you know, whether that storm with other guys they have, or, you know, obviously they draft more guys like that as well. Yeah. I think the depth is there. So that like, if, if multiple guys in the top 
I don't know, say top 40 in the Cubs organization, if many of those guys fizzle out and don't become anything, then that's fine because there's still a lot more that will end up being like decent at the major league level. And there's a few that will end up being very good at the major league level. So like, I think that depth is there that you can afford several guys to fizzle out, fizzle out. You can afford to have multiple trades of prospects like Ferris and hope and insert other like Canario or Triantos or whatever. You can afford to have all of that happen and still have a successful crop of prospects coming up from as it stands today. Yeah. Here's a question for you. I kind of mentioned this at the beginning of the show, Greg. Uh, my thought process on this trade is that theoretically, with the way the Cubs have developed and drafted over these last handful of years, and you've followed this process for a handful of years now, so you know more than me. I'm just going based off of rankings. I'm going based off your insight, other people's insight from that aren't Cubs fans, right? Theoretically... How hard would it be for the Cubs to find another version of Jackson Ferris through a draft or whatever down the road? Like, is is I guess what I'm asking is, was he a can't miss guy in the draft? Was is he someone who could be a generational pitcher down the road? Um, I I think it's tough to find. So with with Ferris and Zaire Hope, both of these guys were drafted and signed as overslot guys. So. Jackson Ferris got first round money um, drafted in the second round. Zaire Hope was drafted in the, in the 11th round and got like, I think, sixth round money or so, uh, fifth round, sixth round money. And so that's, that's a tough thing to do is sign high school players away from their college commitments. That's not always easy, especially when like you're drafting them rounds below where they are projected to go talent wise. Um, so it just, you have to be super creative you have to be able to get a Cade Horton in the first round to sign at or below slot. You have to get multiple guys in rounds five through five through nine to go under slot. So you can then go out and sign Zaire hope. So like, it's just, you gotta be super creative in the draft. And I think that Dan Kantrovitz has been really good at that. Like he's been very good at that over the past few years, which made me happy that he didn't leave to go to the Mets this off season. Um, because I think that, if you're talking about a guy that drafts creatively, gets as much talent as you possibly can with your signing bonus allotment, like Dan Kantrovitz has been phenomenal the past few years. Okay. I, I, I think that there's, there's obvious reason to be a little afraid because Ferris could turn out to be very good. I just, I just never thought that he, like, I, I feel like I'm higher on Kate Horton than I ever, than I was oh, yeah. on Ferris. I feel like Cade Horton has a higher ceiling than, than than Jackson Ferris. Of course, being a left-handed pitcher brings a lot of value, but I I, I don't know. I think it's, it's also easier for me since we probably ain't going to see him for, what, two, three more years at the major yeah. league level? Yeah, Kate, I mean, Cade Horton is significantly better than Jackson Ferris. Like, that's <laughs> – I don't think that – like, I tweeted out right when the, the trade was – the first the, the Dodgers half of the trade was announced. I, I tweeted out, I was like, just don't let it be the guy that I think it's going to be. Like, it was never going to be Cade Horton. That, this trade was not going to include Cade yeah. Horton in it at all. Uh, I just didn't want it to be Jackson Ferris, uh, and it was, obviously. Um, I think that in Jackson Ferris and the Cubs have another prospect, Drew Gray, um, who is very similar to Jackson Ferris in a lot of ways. Uh, both high school draft picks. Drew Gray was drafted a year before Ferris, both out of IMG Academy in Florida. Um, both have uh, high spin rate stuff. Like they're, they're very similar pitchers in a lot of ways. And so I think that might be 
um, you can look at this trade and say, you know what? Like, I think the Cubs really believe in Drew Gray. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago. I think they really believe in Drew Gray. And like, if you're choosing, I mean, obviously Jackson Ferris brings more value than Drew Gray, but it's like, I think the Cubs are hoping that Drew Gray ends up kind of popping under radars this year. And I think there's a good chance that actually happens. Yeah. And like I tell Cody, like if, even if they can't draft the next Jackson Ferris, the Cubs have the resources to go out and just sign a guy, <laughs> go out and sign someone that would fill that spot. Like that, that's, that's when we talk about the Dodgers and how just well-oiled machine run that organization is, they have the financial powerhouse side of it. And they also have the draft slash player development side of it that all works well together. That's what the Cubs should be getting to. So even if the next Jackson Ferris isn't popping on the radar in the next couple of years, oh, but they have all this money they can go and spend on on a guy that could fill that role anyway in the in the starting rotation. I think that's – when we talk about the Cubs, that's where they want to be, and that's where they're working at, and, and that's the goal, right? Yeah, I think that, that my like overall takeaway from this trade is I think it's a good trade. I think it's what, what you want to see the Cubs doing. Yeah, am I, as a prospect hugger, am I a little bit upset that it was Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope? Yeah, I would have liked to see it be a couple different prospects other than those two. Um, but this is exactly the type of trade that you like to see the Cubs going after and doing. Uh, I think I think we should be happy. I think we should be happy about the Cubs completing this trade. And what about what about the reliever? You know, some people think <laughs> yeah, you're sleeping on the reliever him. that could be the next Merriweather. Like they're not. It's a guy who had a lot of success. El Monte 2022, and then 23 was kind of not as good. But if they can harness yeah. what he was in 2022. That also gives great value to potentially this deal. And he's likely to probably be somewhere as like a middle reliever, right? Yeah, and, middle they, reliever, and they, and they, maybe. and they needed someone like that. They needed more depth in the bullpen. So I'm, I'm, I'm content with bringing in a guy like that who can, you can immediately put in the bullpen. And I'm not like, when I say that I'm not worried, it's not that I don't think that, you know, he might have a bad appearance or two or go through a bad stretch. It's more of, how many times have we seen the Cubs bring a guy in who had a terrible ERA wherever it was, and then they turned him into a really, really good reliever for the Cubs? Julian Merriweather is like the perfect example. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited about what, how the Cubs are planning to use him. I know why Barb is worried. Barb's worried that the Dodgers said Rios was blocked here. You're going to want him as your third baseman. <laughs> and now they're going to say Bush was blocked here. You're going to want him as your third baseman. Although I do have breaking news. The uh, Dodgers have deferred payment on Jackson Ferris until 2040. <laughs> no, just kidding. Hey, Greg, Greg, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you jumping on in the middle of the day to give us some insight. Yeah, I, I, I could choose between going and getting lunch or hopping on with you guys. I choose you guys every time. Absolutely. Thank you. We appreciate <laughs> Credit it. Credit to you. Credit Have a great weekend. All right, man. Great. Thanks. Thanks, guys. See you, man. The great Greg Huss. Uh, you can find Woodside him bound. on Twitter. And Twitter is Outside the Vines? Outside the Vines. Outside the Vines. Or no, Out of the Vines, isn't it? Out of the Vines. Out of the Barb vines. was asking, who out is this guy? I'm telling you, NorthSideBound.com. Barb, he's an expert. He's a expert on the prospect nerd. And we talk about Brendan being a nerd, but we like it. <laughs> hey, uh, in a good way. did yeah. you guys know it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles? That's something we can all get behind for the health of the planet and the well-being of all of us who share it. I, act I actually did, Luke. Right, The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have, a, have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense.
Uh, so what should business owners do, Cody? Well, you know, Luke, the chat, Ryan, Sarah, should go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. I was so distracted by the Cubs' frenzy of activity. Cody, did you say comed.com slash clean? Yes, Luke. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. How long before we have that Bush shirt right in the CHGO locker? But I can guarantee you that Bush bobblehead is being made at FOCO, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. FOCO, we love FOCO here. Um, You know, some of our set decorations are FOCO. Cody, actually, I went back and and was watching the... uh, the Christmas episode when Stucky oh. Claus was around, <laughs> and yes. I saw him pull the the overalls out, yes. of, the, out of his. And uh, then I spent the yeah. first ten minutes of the show trying to put them on over all the clothes I was wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. said, um, what, "What did you say? Like when you wear this, you can't have a shirt on underneath or something." Yeah, like I can't, I can't wear a sweatshirt. I was wearing a sweatshirt that day, and I was wearing pretty like <laughs> pretty thick jeans too. There you so. go. Oh, here we go. Let's go. Yeah. Show them off. Show them off. Yes. Um, but yeah, go get get fitted out in the best sports gear around. I'm gonna wear this to um, Cubs Foco's got hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. It's but it's almost baseball season. What are we? Less than five weeks from from pitchers and catchers reporting. Um, so go get your Aloha shirts, which you know I love. Straw hats, polos, bags, and everything you need for a game. Again, I said Foco's giving us some awesome set decorations uh, for our sets. So go show them some some love. Check out Foco.com or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, Please use the promo us. code CHGO10 for 10% off. <clears throat> there you go. All right. Cody's like, like a hand model, like yeah. showing off different things. Uh, thank you for reminding me because I did want to wear these to CubsCon this weekend. There you go. So, you're going to give it a shot? Yeah, yeah. But I'm definitely going to wear something different under it. I, I will be wearing something under it, no no doubt. I cannot show up to CubsCon with just that on, with this weather that we're going to have. And it's not like I'm, you know, rocking a Nicholas Moriano body over here either. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, well, but 30, 30 pounds down, you never know. There you go. Yeah, no, the journey continues. We're seven pounds. We're Six seven pack pounds starting now. to show. Yeah. Starting to show. Yeah, people are saying, I had someone at the gym today, they said something. They were like, oh. Like, hey. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what the Dell metrics are, but that guy seems down <laughs> 10 maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Near and yes, you are an expert too. We're all experts. Nobody's asking for all experts here either. No, I, I'm not even Informed trying. Informed evaluation is yeah. all I'm looking for. I'm not even trying to say that you, you can't feel down on this trade. It's just... I think we've given a good enough explanation to why you should be optimistic about it. And if you've sat here the last hour and you don't agree with it still, then like I got nothing else for you except for we will remember whenever we get down the road. And if Michael Bush and Yinzi Almonte turn out to be pretty good, I mean, you can give us all the credit in the world. All right. So uh, chat just looked at you. the Almonte uh, ERA. Yeah, it was not good last year. Five ish. Five-ish. Yeah. Five-ish, not good. But the year that, before only gave up four runs in 34 innings. Yeah. So, okay. Dalmetric says he's uh, he's an even-year guy. And we're going into 2024. That's what matters. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, we only have a couple minutes left. Yeah, before we, really we go. time, but go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, um, we should talk about the the 
Arbitration. The deadline the to arbs, yeah. the deadline to agree before filing for arbitration or, or filing arbitration numbers passed today. Um, you know, looking at most of the numbers, we got Edward Oslite and Cubs settling at two point one one mil. Deal. Mark Leiter one and a half mil. Steel. You know, Nick Madrigal Madrigal one point eight one Justin Steele, four million. We're talking about a top five Cy Young finisher. Unbelievable bargain. Um, and Mike Talkman, one point nine five million. Comparing Deal them to what? Century. <laughs> comparing them to what MLB trade rumors put out um, prior or tour, I think actually I think it was before the offseason started. Um, right around there, Julian Merriweather is another one. We don't. I haven't seen the salary numbers yet, uh, but it was reported that um, they did avoid arbitration with Merriweather. Um, so it looks like no cases are going to arbitration. Uh, and that'll be at, at off top of my head for sure the second year in a row that the Cubs avoided all arbitration with all their arbitration eligible players, um, which is a good thing. I think it's a good thing that I think it shows that both sides are willing to meet in the middle somewhere on, on, on different things. And look what happened with Corbin Burns and the Brewers. Um, last Was it last year's arbitration that he was really pissed off about it afterwards? Yes, yes. Like those things, and, and, you know, business is business, but those can, things can get kind of ugly and can, in, in some cases, ruin relationships between Same players thing, and uh, organizations. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I, I it's a good sign that the both sides are willing to work on a deal prior and not just go to to arbitration and obviously for the Cubs to continue to be able to get all their um, players signed to contracts and not have to go to arbitration that's that's a good sign for the organization and what kind of how they treat their players and how the players feel and and just their ability to you know obviously cut meet in the middle on, on certain things. Uh, Justin Steele tweeted like before the show started, so like an hour ago, that God is good. So, so you know, assuming you, that refers to the, I'm assuming it was related to that. So, you know, I, I I agree wholeheartedly in what you're saying in terms of how important it is to avoid going to arbitration uh, with a lot of these dudes. Um, you know, the Cardinals had a similar guy. I think I want to say it was Tyler O'Neill last year. I, I could be wrong on that, but they ended up trading him. Whatever, but. You know, you like to see the Cubs maintaining a really as good of a relationship they can with players when it comes to this type of stuff. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm happy that they didn't have any issues. Uh, real quick, we have one minute for a quick game of Cub or not a Cub. Got Cub or not we were naming. A cub. We were just throwing out names the other day. I got I yeah, got five sure. names here. Okay. As we head to Cubs convention, and you'll see all kinds of jerseys out there. You might sure. even see a Bush jersey. We don't know. Uh, if you go there and you're looking, oh, look at yeah, people are already getting the bush bats ready for signing. See if they can get them here. Bad weather on the way. All right, five names: Dennis Lamp, Cub or not a Cub? Not a Cub. 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 Aha. Late seventies pitcher. Okay. <laughs> Don Paul. Don the Pope. Paul. Cub. Not a Cub. Oh. Okay. I'll go Cub. Cub and White Sox pitcher. Ah, okay, tied up. You had a nickname to it. It gave it away. I thought he just like kind of. The Pope, <laughs> Don know. Paul. That was. I, yeah. Sounds uh, like a baseball nickname. <laughs> Marty Lloyd. Not a Cub. Not a Cub. Not a Cub. Uh, Front man for the Freddie Jones band. Okay. Uh, Bert Hooten. Cub. Cub. Yes. Not Cub. Cubs right. pitcher. That's Comes right. Cubs and Dodgers. And Dave Owen. Cub. Cub. Yes, game-winning RBI uh, yeah. in what game? 
The Sandberg game. I was, oh, I was, that was okay. Sandberg game. His name sounded RBI, familiar. Owen, I, I definitely had heard that name before. Spike yeah. Owen is his brother. <laughs> also played in the major leagues. Okay. Anyway, more you know. Uh, Barb, we have it down on record. You don't like the deal. Godfather we doesn't. We've we've acknowledged it. I'm not saying it couldn't be a bad deal down the road. But yep. The Cubs have made a deal. I'm just glad they're doing something, so we have something to talk well, about. Yeah, we'll file. We'll file the godparents. Um, yeah, we're filing the godparents for a later date. Yes. However, credit to everyone else who's on board and uh, and likes the trade. I appreciate y'all's uh, positivity. We needed some of it because this offseason's been boring, bro. Nice to see Jed didn't go back into hibernation. Now, yeah. now sign Bellinger and let's let's ride in 2024. That's right. Thanks for uh, all like 400 plus. We're on here on the live YouTube chat, in and out throughout the show. Uh, we only got 106 thumbs up. Hit some of those yeah. on the way out. We're 380 it. in here right now. So Hope we to can hit see the you out at Cubs out. convention. Travel safely if the weather is bad. And uh, if there's more breaking news, we'll have a breaking news pod podcast later today or this weekend or whenever it might happen. Until then, thanks for checking out the CHGO Cubs podcast. We'll see you next time. Fly the W. Y'all silly like the mayor.